Hello all, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, from wherever you are listening to us on this beautiful day. We are excited to welcome you to yet another episode of the Sweet Potato Genetic Advances and Innovative Seed Systems, Sweet Gains Podcast. As always, I am your host, Viviana Chakos. Today we are joined by Luca Wanjohi. Luca is a data scientist specializing in data management. He is based out of Kenya. We are going to discuss achieving more with less, the power of statistics. Welcome to you all and welcome, Luca. Happy listening. Thank you, Vivian. Let's delve in. When one thinks of plant breeding, statistics and data collection are not necessarily the first things that come to mind. Could you tell us a little about the role data management plays in the development and adoption of improved plant varieties? And I would start by saying that data is, can be seen as being at the heart and soul of research activities within sweet gains. Plant breeders are always relying on data to be able to make good selection decisions. So basically, before we can go out and release a variety, we want to understand, are we replacing a variety that has already been there? Are we introducing something new? Why do we think this is necessary in country X and so on? Uh, Sweet Gains is working in different countries with different partners. Everyone has a different way of collecting and their data and managing their research activities. And so proper and very standardized data management activities are required to ensure that if we are going to be able to succeed, we are able to collect data in a systematic way in the different countries and we are able to use that data to make our selection decisions. Luca, what are the risks of not systematizing the data generated by a modern breeding program? So one of the risks of not systemizing is that it makes it very difficult for people to collaborate outside of their breeding program. The other risk is that when you do not systemize, it also becomes difficult for other colleagues within your program to work with your data. And you will find that when you don't have a systematic way of managing your data, then people who were not there when that data was being generated might find it difficult for them to work with that data and it therefore becomes not very useful and not very efficient also for your own program. And I would say that lastly, if you do not have a systemized way of uh, generating and managing your data, then you also risk of introducing a lot of errors in your data, losing data when you're collecting it, or collecting corrupted data and basically making it very difficult for you to use this data without doing what we call curation. For example, we are just going through the curation of historical data sets on sweet potato breeding in sub-Saharan Africa. It becomes an expensive and a tedious process and eventually some of this data you may not even be able to use even after the curation process. Okay, that's quite profound. So staying on with the um ensuring data is usable. Why is it important to implement standard operating procedures for data management in plant breeding? When we talk about standardized naming systems, we can tell an advanced trial from a preliminary trial. We are using the same ontology. We are defining the traits that we are measuring across our breeding trials the same way. To give you an example, Sometimes we go out in the field, we want to look at how potato virus disease is affecting our plants. A long time ago, we would give a score, 
say one to five based on the severity of the effects of the virus on the plant. And you would find that other programs would giving a score of one to three. So when we talk of the ontology, we are going out to measure the effects of virus on a plant. We are all using the same virus score of one to nine. And that is what is being implemented across all the, the programs. Then the other dimension of ensuring comparability of data to ensure that everyone is now using BreedBase, the centralized database that we are all using to store our breeding trials throughout the entire breeding workflow, because then this helps us to centralize the storage of all our data and enables us to track trial data across the different transitions. And we can be able to pick out potential problems very early on, as opposed to only discovering that we collected the wrong data right at the very end when we want to do analysis. Thank you, Luca. Okay, so moving on. Breeders also work with large numbers of accessions. How does data collection and management help them target preferred traits, streamline their work, and drive down overall costs? Improved data collection will definitely help them in the sense that when we talk of improved data collection and management, we are looking at, for example, being able to do rapid phenotyping. When you have your large number of accessions, you want to be able to go in collect your data quickly and in an efficient way is we can be able to put in a process that allows you to do this digitally. Then you don't have to go in with papers and run the risk of the people who will be transcribing this data messing it up during the digitization. We try to make sure that we can give you the tools to go in, digitize this data in the field. The tools have inbuilt checks to ensure that we are collecting or we are restricting entry to be as much as possible, only the allowable value that can be collected. The same process then quickly allows you to uh, analyze this data because it is already digitized. You can share this data quickly with colleagues and other people who are helping you to look at this data when you're doing your analysis. Then this supports the breeder in being able to quickly and in a cost-effective way collect a lot of data, analyze it, and make selection decisions to support their work. Speaking to the tools that you have just mentioned, perhaps you can share some that uh, you're already using, especially for the data management process. Yeah, so the first tool is, it's not a tool per se, but it is the guiding document and is actually a living document. So every now and then if we find something that needs to be a process that we have defined and it is not working or rather needs some modification from how we have defined it in the document, then we are not afraid to make that change. But that said, the main tool is the breed base. This is the core of all other breeding workflows. We have operationalized the sweet potato base and we have been using and uploading trials on sweet potato base since 2016. The other tool that we are now heavily using is a field booker. This is an Android app that allows us to phenotype our trial fields electronically. The BreedBase generates field layouts for us and it generates files that are compatible with the field booker. So we're basically able to generate a field layout from the BreedBase that we can upload to the field booker. We have been using a lot of barcoded labels for some time now and the BreedBase helps us to keep 
enforcing this. So now all our programs are encouraged to make sure that they print uh, labels for both their materials in the greenhouses and for materials they have put out in the field. Printbase again allows us to generate barcoded labels. And the essence of a barcode is to be able to track the movement and to track a given accession or a given genotype across different workflows. One of the advantages of using the breed base is that for every plot that you put out in the field, the breed base generates a unique ID for that particular plot. And this is the ID that we put on the barcode. And we are able to track the performance of a given entry from the field right to the time that we harvest and we bring it back, for example, into the NIAS lab for analysis and so on. It carries that same ID. Yes. So those are some of the tools and the apps that we are working on just to help uh, modernize the breeding operations within Sweetgates. Wow, quite a number of tools and apps. I'm really happy to hear that they are helping uh, make everything so much better and standardize everything. As we use the tools, as we use the apps, of course, the naming also plays a very important role. So if you are to focus on naming of the accessions, could you tell us what data is captured and what is revealed in the sweet potato naming conventions? When we talk of the naming convention, in this we are doing to standardize the way we are naming our trials, our plots, our accessions, crossing experiments, and so on. We are constructing the standardized names basically by concatenating letters, numbers, and symbols that are drawn up from country, institution, year, location, trial type, trial number, and a host of other details about the trial. For example, the number of entries, a trial has the number of replications, and so on. The reason we want to have a standardized naming convention is because we generate a lot of data, generating a lot of trials. And when we are working with different programs, you want to be able to share data across programs. You also want other people to be able to look at your data and they can make sense out of it without having to consult you. We are looking at doing this so that in the long run, we can promote the sharing of data across the different breeding programs. Uh, one of the challenges in the past to the free sharing of information has been that different organizations have different ways to collect and manage their data. How is Sweet Gains helping bridge this divide? Yeah, this has been a challenge, and I think it is a challenge for anyone who is working in research and especially in the CG system, because we have to work with different organizations who have their own set of rules. I mean, when you're working with different national research organizations, they already have in place processes on how they collect and manage their own data. If you have to make their work talk to another national research program, then you all have to have some common ground. And so for us at Sweet Gains, how we are doing this is through the implementation of the standard operating procedures for data management. One of the things that we have been doing is we have brought together all the people that are working on data management and we have formed a virtual community of practice. This community of practice uh, meets virtually every month. Things we are able to discuss the progress uh, with regards to the implementation of the different SOPs, uh, the challenges that the different teams are facing, the different countries. The COP meeting also serves as a 
platform for colleagues to learn from each other. How does increased access and sharing of data benefit the broader plant breeding community? As SIP, we are committed to making all our research outputs open access compliant. We strive to make sure that we can put out all the data and the tools that we are generating within SIPKing out there for use by other people. We see that people could make use of our data and our data could be of use to someone in a different research program who doesn't have the resources to collect the kind of data that we are collecting. We have committed to making sure that any data that we collect, this data goes back for public good. I would also say that besides ourselves putting out data in tools, we've also been beneficiaries of tools that have been developed by other programs and they're helping us make our work more efficient. For example, when you look at the field cup that we are using, this was developed at the Kansas State University for a wheat breeding program. And it was a very successful lab that we are now adopting and using for sweet potato breeding and potato breeding. This yeah, just shows you how beneficial it is if you are already working on something, developing something, and you think that this is something that could be of, of use to someone else who is outside of your program, so you make it available for them to use. As we wind up, what advice do you have for other organizations looking to implement the standard operating procedures into their breeding programs? I say that they start small, document the procedures as they are today, iterate every other time with the breeding teams, with the people who are actually implementing the breeding activities and continuously improve this document. Do not aim to have a perfect document ready the first time that you attempt to write one. But then over time and through the collaborative efforts of everyone in the team, look towards capturing all the processes, all the routine activities in your breeding program. Uh, so that over time, you will be having a document that is as inclusive as possible and captures all the activities that you are undertaking in your program. Great. And with that, um, I'd like to say thank you very much, Luca, for your time. It has been a good conversation, very informative. And uh, we look forward to the next one. Thank you very much. Thank you. Please join us next time for another episode of the Sweet Gains podcast, where we explore further innovations in modern plant breeding. This program is led by the International Potato Center and forms part of 1CGIAR's Excellence in Breeding Platform.